2020, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Florida Culture Podcast, a soccer podcast for us, by us. It's the best kept secret of soccer today. We have made it to 2020, y'all. New year, new decade, more culture. What is happening, y'all? You got your boy here, Grego. Got Coach here. You got TK here. What's going on with your fam? Happy New Year, bro. Happy New Year. Same to you, man. 2020 vision, baby. How's your Kwanzaa going, man? Kwanzaa going well. You know, some of my principles. Try to get some collective economics going. Try to better our people. Trying to support the culture. Indeed, <laughs> yes. Please, yes. What's good, with, what's good with you, man? What's good with you, TK? Man, you know, just enjoying the new year. Trying to take my time off work. Um, one day at a time. I only get like two, so. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are... are Springing into the, the new year, a new decade, like Ronaldo's header. Oof. You know, that thing was majestic, bro. Like, that man got hops. And he's supposed to be old. Bounce. He's supposed to be old. That man got bounce. Hardest working man in the game. Think he could do a basketball career? Ooh. He's already trying to be an actor after he retires. Man. So you know, you never know what happens. Really, is he going to act though? Quote unquote. See, like, <laughs> here's the weird thing: because like I have heard of like. With certain actors, it's hard for them to get certain jobs because they just look too attractive. It's like you can't really buy them into like you you can't see them like doing like gritty shit because you know you are you just look too too good. That's like, why my acting career never jumped off. As basically, you know, basically. I think he could be a model then. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, prob- oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's got a really good chin line. I mean, the jaw lines immaculate. Like I said, you know, pause. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, of course. Uh, you no, know, we we've had great Boxing Day. We've had great uh, weekends. Like England plays too many too many games, bro. Like Here, here's the thing, though. Um, as much as we complain about it, mm-hmm. at the same time, like I love it. Like it's 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 a tax. It's a gift and a curse. Exactly. I, it's a tax on on the players. It's a tax on all the teams involved. I yeah, I get that and. and we want to make sure there is some uh, balance to these players and coaches' lives, mm-hmm. but at the same time, as a fan, yeah, yeah, you during this time off, I love that. Like almost every day, I roll out of the bed. I'm like, oh, there's a, there's actually a competitive game going on. Yeah, it's like, not some weird bowl game that has two schools that I've never heard of for some underwear championship. I don't know <laughs> in our studio. <laughs> Oh man! At least, at least it'll go better than what uh, the Oklahoma did in LSU. I was like, "Jeez, bruh, man, bruh. it got it got took to the woodshed, bro." But uh, they're gonna put up those stats. <laughs> yo, like I, I saw I saw a stat that said uh, Joe Burrow from uh, LSU has, has thrown for more touchdowns in Mercedes-Benz Stadium than the Falcons had all, all of this year. Season. I was like, "That's that's cold blooded." Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, because like you know, Boxing Day, of course, for those who don't know, it's the day after Christmas is a big thing, especially in England, where they have, of course, like a full set of games on that day. Of course, uh, Boxing Day is on, was on Thursday, and they had to turn right back around uh, over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, to play more games. So, like for a lot of teams, they really didn't have a lot of turnaround time to really rest players up. Say, hey, let's get you guys back back in shape. So, like, you really had to, you know, go into you know, a little bit of the bench to, you know, make sure keep keep players fresh and everything. And um like what what were you guys uh, thoughts on how um how some of the games went? Cuz like cuz like what well, the big game like uh, how, how does how does Man City go 
playing a game on Friday and then turning right back around and playing a game on Sunday. I was like, well, I guess uh, FIFA 20 got it right then with the way they got their fixture schedule, right? (laughs) Because that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, you're in three games in a week pretty much for some of these teams. That is one thing that FIFA EA has never quite fixed. It's like you have a a game rescheduled and you realize, okay, yeah, I got got a game on Tuesday and Thursday. It's like, are you serious, bro? Yeah. But um, but no, you know we got a we got a great sh- uh, show for you guys uh, this on uh, this today, and um, let me see here. Um, we, got, we got some team of the decades going on. We got teams of the decades going on. What else we got? I mean, we got the end of the of the decade going, so we got to get some of our reflection time going on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, TK, uh, of course, Sunday was a. Uh, was your boy's big day? It first of all is Arsenal and Chelsea a real derby for y'all? Like, how, how does that work? Because of course you got North London derby, West London derby. Like, of course, London's on, uh, Arsenal's on North London, Chelsea's in West London. Like, is that really considered like a real like rivalry for y'all? Absolutely. Um, I want to say though that it's probably going to be a, a little bit of a intense rival with um, Spurs. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the the real rivalry is, uh, at, as far as London is concerned, and probably. Well, we're second. going to get to that in a second because y'all, because you know, y'all, y'all kind of caught it um, a couple weeks ago. Hey man, we got some tactics on point. Uh, I think the second rivalry in London, is, where Chelsea is concerned, is going to be uh, Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. not, not Arsenal. Or, you know, so uh, Arsenal, they've. Um, like AJ mentioned uh, on the last pod, they they have been in steady decline um, ever since the Invisible Era. Even you know Wenger was just trying to uh, keep, keep keeping it consistent, but they've been in decline. Uh, I don't really even look at them as competition. Even if we would have lost that match, it had just been like another you know drop in the bucket, honestly. But um, you know, the magic word of the weekend once again is VAR. You know, you had Wolves get get jacked. Sheffield got jacked. Y'all, y'all actually benefited from it. Um, you know, with even well, it worked out. It worked out. Y'all worked out okay with it because y'all could have had a penalty uh, against Arsenal, but it wasn't called. Personally, I don't think it really was because it was right there at the line. So it should have at least been a, a free kick. Yeah, um, I saw the replay, and the, the point of contact is just on the outside of the box for me, at least with the cameras that I got to look at um, revealed. But yeah, honestly. At halftime, it could have been, if given that that goes in, you got 1-1 at the half, and things are looking a little bit better. Uh, Ganduzi was, uh, he should have been redded. Uh, Jojo, Jorginho, rather, should have been redded. Um, and that ends up scoring. Yeah, I mean, hey, that, that's the irony. But that was, for me, that was some real United stuff, some man United that stuff. That was some man United stuff. Like, you get away with it, like, oh, referee <laughs> preference for United. And then that same person goes and scores the winner. So um, I appreciate that in the age where VAR is essentially ruining football, uh, or at least the, the excitement. Um, so that was a nice to see a little bit of irony uh, on that side. Um, it, it's, it was interesting. I think, especially with that game and the – the Wolves uh, Liverpool game, you know, there's there's part of me that's like, yeah, we need the VAR system because obviously there's, you know, a lot of these games are um, a lot of money involved, a lot of stakes involved, and everything like that. But at the same time, there needs to be a balance of human element with this, and I think that's the thing because like otherwise you wouldn't have a hand of God, mm-hmm. you know, 
you want to have a handle God right. situation. And by you know having things from the rule of the law and everything, I'm a, I'm a different person in that standpoint because like even it was funny to hear uh, Robbie talk about it um, in the post game talk was that uh, even the rule of you know offside how like that should be addressed now because what advantage is someone gaining by Whatever. having a centimeter of their arm over the line? There's no advantage. None. <laughs> and so maybe we should really look at the law of what it means to be offside. Like it should it be a foot. I've always thought it should be a foot type of thing. But do arms help you into being offside? Like to Especially propel? if like, it, your arms help you propel. I get right. that. But if you're talking about, you know, a shirt sleeve all offside. Then- Is the arm actually like doing anything in, in that process? Okay, like it's not like like how like handball, for example, where it's like, okay, the ball hit my arm. And I benefited from it hitting my arm to score, score a goal. That's not the case. Like basically, with the way that everyone naturally runs, it's like yeah, like like you have to still operate as a normal human being when you run. It's like it, that's not really affecting one way or the other if if you're going to score a goal or not. It just it just ha- how science is basically, and you know. But I think especially with with you having so many cameras now and you having so much. You have much greater access than you used to. You're like you. I think you do have to get like far more specific as far as okay, is this really benefiting the process of the goal? Otherwise, yeah, you gotta let let that, let that ride. Yeah, I think on that note, uh, I'm in favor of bringing the the goal line technology back, where that's just plain and simple. If it crosses mm-hmm. the, the line, the whole ball, yeah, then you're in. And uh, I think that would be a, a quick, easy fix. I think maybe, uh, you know, like you said, establish some sort of um, precedent as far as what is going to be offside. Because I think, I can't remember what game it was, but they literally called it VAR offsides due to someone's armpit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. And that's when you're like, okay, yes, I get, you know, rules and laws are supposed to be there and they have to be interpreted that way or whatever. But at the same time, there needs to be a a human element where, yeah, humans are going to miss that. Two, also that like there has to be the element of okay, there's there's circumstances that we need to check into a situation like that where okay, yeah, such and such might be off or whatever, but it really did not have any gaining type of advantage. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, and of course, Nuno after the game, like when they brought up uh, the uh, the goal that was called off, I mean, he didn't even want to talk about it. He's like, no, 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 no. Like he's like he's trying to like reason with with the reporters, like yo. Don't do it, man. Because <laughs> he knows he's going to get fined. He, he knows he'll get fined for what he has to say. Because if he gives an opinion and complains about it, they're going to hit him up with a fine. And so he's just saving his butt in that situation where he's like, nah, I want to say this 25K. Yep. <laughs> it's basically, road, Take the high road. Like, I, I just put money on Christmas, man. Like, yeah, don't, exactly. don't do this to me, man. Yeah, so I was like, what is uh, Even like today, I was like, take the high road. I'm saying that uh, Mason Mount and uh, Ganduzi getting into it. I'm like, yep. both of you guys are on a yellow. Mm-hmm. This is... The fixture holiday fixture. Chill season, out, man. Yeah. Like, Just chill we out. need quality players at Chelsea. I don't know about y'all. I mean, hey, y- y- y'all, you know, your your transfer man's been lifted, so you know, come 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 today. Like y'all, y'all are back on the market. Say, hey, <laughs> hey but you know what though? And of course, I, I had to t- had to take a uh, back step when when uh, Tony was telling me this before we started recording. You know, this might be the most likable Chelsea squad <laughs> ever in life. <laughs> Because like you know, it's you, you see, he checked the time and date on that when this that statement was made. Yeah, because uh, you December know, between nine four nine. 
But no, because like, you know, you have a, of course, because of transfer ban, you had to like really kind of look with it, look from within to build your squad up. And what Frank Lampard's been able to do is build a squad largely with youth. And there's, so you're not really like having, you're not really going out and buying the $70 million Mercedes, even though technically, I guess, Pulisic would be considered that because he went for 76. So, um, yeah. kind of, I guess you kind of say to go with the bad, but still, like, you don't have those guys that, that 10 years ago would be like, okay, he just coming in for the big money, you know, Diego Costas. Yeah. And, and now you have these young kids who are really, you know, really turning out for Chelsea. And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a new spirit here. And, you know, it, I, I will say like it, it's definitely a lot harder to hate them. But then again, of course, you know, supporters is like, oh, I'm not saying yeah, it's the, the it, fans. That mess it's like, oh, yeah, up. that's why I hate y'all <laughs> fans. Yeah. Well, in other news for Chelsea, um, our uh, owner, Roman Abramovich, has um, officially got his visa cleared. So he will be back allowed or allowed back into the, the UK. What? That's where, yeah, yeah, it's been a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that, that does call for, you know, some more. I remember, so, yeah, we haven't seen it because usually he'd always be there at, at matches, but yeah, like, yeah, Looking all hot minutes and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. you said, hey, I'm going to go back to Mother Russia. <laughs> well, I think he's been hanging out in Israel, too, because he's got his, his Israeli citizenship as well. Um, Has he been meeting up with Rudy Giuliani, too? Yeah, no, I don't know about all that. No, that's, a, that's just like a big bowl of spaghetti mess. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I think that, you know, of course, o- over the, uh, the past couple of weeks, of course. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I got, this is one thing I got to say, whoa, whoa, too, whoa, whoa. from a coach standpoint. Uh, on that goal by Tammy, they were giving a lot of props to him. That goal does not happen without William. You know, I, I sent a text to my homeboy Bobby. I was like, man, somehow William is the only, the guy who got the assist for this. And honestly, it was good on Tammy to, to fake in and then and spin out. Mm-hmm. But really, it was Mustafi? Mustafi? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. He, well, well, bench player. Well, the thing about it, I was, I, was, I mean, the pure effort that William did, where he did full out sprint for, you know, 60, 70 yards. Cuts it to the outside where I thought he took that touch too far. I, I agree. I think he did take it too far. He took that hard angle. I was like, ooh, it's going out. I don't know. And then he gave it. And Tammy did what he did. This grown man. Said, yeah, stuff. Tammy cleaned it up and, and, and still finished it. Yep. And, you know, nutmeg keeper, you know, which is always. Yeah, that's always nice to see. It's always. It's always. So, you know, I, I give props to, you know, Willian on that. I don't know if he's going to get that spot from Neuer, though. Right. You know, looking a little shaky. Yeah. But uh, I, I saw on the socials uh, the past couple of days, of course, of course, going back to what we were talking about as far as they like, just having this quick turnaround of match. Of course, of course since, we, since we last recorded, Liverpool with the cutter, won the Club World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was actually a much closer match than I think people were, get, were giving it where they think it's going to be. Because they only won like, like 1-0. Bobby Firmino's been on a tear. Mm-hmm. Of course, Liverpool were, were the benefactors of VAR because of what happened um, – Against against Wolves, so of course they're still what they're fourteen points clear with a game in hand. Like it's depressing. They're, they're, I think it's ninety three percentile guaranteed to win the league or projected to win the league. No, it's theirs to lose. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. I think at this point, you know, white. I see that. It's because uh, I think uh, during uh, the weekend before Christmas, uh, uh, Man City uh, had, uh, played in. Uh, had did a post game interview and they were like, 
you know, he didn't want to talk about like their chances to come back. Because at this point, it's not even so much more about what they can do to um to to come back and win the league. Like you had to rely on Liverpool losing, right? And a lot. And at this point, you're talking about like 14 points. Like they basically had to drop like five. They had to lose four four solid games and then yeah. tie at least another three. Yeah, like, like, do you really see them really doing that? At the, especially at the, at the rate that they're going right now, because they're cranking out those tough, those tough wins too. I was like, if they play Wolves and Leicester, maybe two more times, we might get lucky. But we all know that's not how the season works. Yeah, it's. I don't see anybody catching them. I mean, and what's funny to watch Pep now, like he's always been, you know, intense kind of guy, but you can tell. It's wearing on him now. Yeah, he seems like he's coaching for his job type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, no matter how well he has for these rest of the you know, 18 games left he has for them, and, and you know, and like, I don't the, see anything. That's the weird thing, I think, for him. Because, like, you, of course, you, you had what his, his success is at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and now here at Man City. And it's like you're basically coaching against your, your own shadow and standard. You know, when you when you start breaking league records and everything, it's like okay, like how like how long can we really keep this particular standard up? Like, can we still win the league with only like ninety six points? Well, it's, it's interesting too. Like when I was watching the Liverpool game, it there's that sense where you know a true champion either they went ugly, they got a lot of luck mm-hmm. going their way, yeah. you know, they have those things that just things fall into to order for them. And watching that Liverpool game. And the calls go, you know, in their way and everything. That's what happens. And the same things have happened to City in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's not happened that way for City, really. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I think Liverpool, like, this is a team that's to be, you know, compared to the Invincibles. Because, like, if they do, I mean, like, and that, and that's, it, and that's, they, they have, they have, they have a lot now. of potential to be the Invincibles. Yeah. And for the reality of it. Yeah, for the, for, People who don't know the Invincibles is an Arsenal team that went undefeated, um, and that team has always been like a marker, kind of like how you know in football everybody marks themselves to Miami Dolphins. That that team now you know um, didn't lose a game. Same way in the Premier League, um, nobody has really ever uh, touched that. Um, even I mean Liverpool came close last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Man City came close last Man City year. Came close, and but I think this Liverpool team is really. They, I think they have a good chance of doing that. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I mean, um, one draw, no losses right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be the um, like because they showed the, some of the records for the decade, um, and City was the team essentially. Right. So it's like City has the most wins, the most points, the most um, something else. But and I was like, geez, like where did they come from? <laughs> you know, like, because I think we were talking like those maybe, damn noisy neighbors, man. Yeah, two or three weeks ago, they actually like, showed that because, uh, of course, NBC's been doing like almost nonstop EPL like the past the past week or so. She um and uh, you know they had they actually had like one special like going back to like what was the year? It was like twenty thirteen, I think, when um when City finally won the league on the last day of the season, and you know yeah, that was the first like it's it's one of those things where. Of course, you see the process of like how they went from you know basically being like like 15 years ago they were getting relegated and you know you're talking about fast forward now it's like basically they're essentially the, the standard of the league now with 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 Liverpool and it's like it's it's kind of crazy like when you go back and be like these guys were they were crap yeah they were absolutely crap. crap a bunch of crap <laughs> like it's bollocks, bollocks. <laughs> like it's funny like how you know like. 
things change over time. Because I remember like last decade, the Mercenary Club was viewed as Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And like now, they're the ones with, you know, homegrown talent. And Chelsea was a bunch of crap before, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, this has all been within the same decade. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Like pretty right. much the discipline, like it's, it's crazy. Like, like, like who's going to be like the, the next city of this 2020 decade and it's, it's, it's going to be crazy to see. But before we go on break... Oh, 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 but yeah, before we go on break, I want to bring up one more thing. What's up? What's this up? It's a big thing culture-wise. Mm-hmm. Alright, so today we watched, you know, Arsenal fail again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um... Sorry, Ringo. But, no, the, the one thing that really... And we, we brought up in one of our chats or whatever, I can't remember which one, but the fact of the matter of, like, th- we're seeing the institutionalized racism that's going on. The fact that Mikel Arteta, mm-hmm. who's been an assistant the whole time in his coaching career, right? Mm-hmm. He gets the head job, but then we come to find out that Patrick Vieira what, never was even contacted for that. That's wild. Former player, former captain. Yeah. Legend. A legend has head coaching stints, successful head coaching stints. Mm-hmm. Two clubs. And is doing his damn thing and wasn't even contacted. That's but yet wild. you're going to hire Mikel Arteta, who's been an assistant this whole time. Hoping, I guess, that some pep is rubbing off of him. But remember, like, like that's come on, man. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Like, he does tactics. <laughs> I mean, granted, you know, he's had a lot of hype over the past couple of years. I guess as far as like how he's like kind of helped Guardiola, but at the same time, because like remember, like, um, like Ryan Giggs when um, when he was uh, the number two at, at United after he retired, and the larger reason why he didn't get the job after uh, Van Gaal was because it's like, yeah, you don't have any, you haven't done anything, yeah. You got to like, earn your stripes somewhere else. Right. That's usually I how I feel like been. United, were, they were honest about it. Yeah. In that sense. You know, like, but, eh. but Arsenal was like, eh. we'll take our chances. Well, I think, <laughs> was it something that Tanner said last week or two weeks ago? Um, it's part of this whole, like, recycle, get back in touch with the club, you know, like, get a part of, like, get someone who's cut from the cloth and who knows how the club is ran and has a, a clue about the identity of the club. And it's like, well... Do you have experience though to to pair you with that, bro? Especially considering you know the level of the job that you're talking about. Because it's not like you know you're going to like a championship level club that's maybe that's maybe fighting for promotion and everything. You're talking about like a team that where the expectation is top four, top six, hopefully win the league. And it's like you're taking those chances on a guy who's never been been the lead man anywhere. And it's like yeah, that's a lot of responsibility, especially given the, the size of the club. But um, like that's just it's it's madness to me that that he wasn't even conscious to like hey, you know we got at least say like hey we got your eye on you you know it just not it ain't that time yet you know at least at least you know at least keep it real keep it one hundred say hey this, this this we ain't ready yet I can I can even understand why Henri wasn't I mean granted Henri had a new he has a new job they just took from Montreal mm-hmm. and he hasn't really had a successful coaching career right. where he's been. But Patrick, that. Patrick's been doing well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like you don't go from MLS to France <laughs> if, if you if you just you know on the bullshit. It just it just doesn't happen. And that's where you're like, okay, we we I see that something's going something's on. Something's going on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or you're just too dumb to even to, to want to acknowledge. It's it. one of the two. It's yeah. just one of the two. Absolutely. And, no, I think there's something in the water. Yeah. But of course, speaking of something in the water, you know, like you know, it's weird when. The the team the club that we often accuse of of racism gets 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 the racism thrown at them because over over the holiday break, 
you know, y'all, your boys actually were the victims of racism. Oh, it, man. It's like, like how, how, how does that happen, man? It was like, and it, it was funny about that because, like, of course, a couple weeks back, we were talking about how Son uh, was the victim of racism with Spurs. It's like, and now here he is, right at the, at the are people just that ignorant, start of it, really? Are people just that ignorant to say, okay, hey, it happened to us, but hey, let's go ahead and do it to somebody else? Like, it just, man. What's our counter? <laughs> I think people were cool over the over over Christmas and New Year's. I think, yeah. I think, I, I'm it's, sure it's, there's something come out. Oh, oh, for because it was the holidays. Zero yeah. for Italy. Yo, like I said, Italy's got got its own thing now. Like it's, it's getting to spin off. It has new. It's Are its own right series. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what saves them is that <laughs> the holiday break. Yeah, basically, like everyone's in, in a good, oh, everyone's in a good spirits. <laughs> they they, they want to be. Everyone's all about peace. Peace to all. To, uh, and all, and all that, but like, yeah, like it absolutely boggles my mind that Spurs would even put themselves in a, in a position. Like, of course, everyone was talking about like how, like, there, because uh, the incident that happened was uh, uh, Antonio Rudiger for Chelsea was uh, he was, he got fouled by Son and Son like kicked his leg up, mm-hmm. and so Rudiger falls down, and Tottenham fans felt that he was you know selling it. Mm-hmm. And then they start. And they start doing the monkey chance. I said, "That's that's going to be European Europe's go to." Yeah, the thing is, on the back end of that, there was a Chelsea fan arrested for racial abuse as well. The same yeah. match and banned. Do we life. do we have, do we have to have a London spinoff too? Because I'm like, yo, like really. I mean, re- here recently, Spurs, Chelsea, Tottenham, or uh, um, did Arsenal have? Or is it Crystal Palace? Uh, well, United too. Remember? Okay, but, so yeah, that was, they, that, was that, well, that guy got dealt with quickly, though, right? That yeah. guy got dealt with pretty quickly. Yeah. But you know, you know, there there was one thing that actually that, that did kind of set me off. Um, this Gary is all in December, right? This yeah. is all December. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary Neville, he's been speaking out a lot against against all the racist uh, behavior, and he had by like a couple, maybe like a minute or two on Sky Sports, and. Of course, he draws a lot of it to what's happening in politics as far as like it was happening with Brexit and Boris Johnson and 45 and just how the atmosphere is really just enabling this type of behavior. And after he went on his uh, uh, his his rant, I guess, I guess you could say uh, the host was like, yeah, the. These views are not the views of Sky Sports. I was like, disclaim. Just say, cover it. CYA. Yeah, I was like, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and like, the, the, just the way he was undercut like that. Like, I, like of course, like, I, I get it to an extent. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, you just kind of just left him hanging out to dry. And I was like, that, here, that was cold blooded. But also, here's the other thing. Like, I remember after the, the Tottenham one, um, you know, Jose was asked immediately after the game. Mm. About the situation, and he—it's funny how like certain things you'll see them get animated and stand their ground on them stuff. Mm-hmm. When it comes to this one, they're like, oh well, we gotta look at both sides and this and that, or whatever. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, yeah. We'll oh, now that's when we get when we don't know shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the point of that is like, no one is saying like whether they saw it or not. No one condemns it, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's really the bigger issue. So we have like. Pretty large figures in the game, like Jose Mourinho. If you don't know the name, like by get, far like, the most recognizable coach, pretty much. So, yeah. like, I mean, even his agent, you you know his name. 
Like, come on. Like, you condemn that stuff, man. You, ha- it has to start from the top. Like, it's, this, it, this is one of those where you, where you need those, those, those helper whiteies. Like, you need, like, you need those guys to say, hey, this I, I think cool. they're called allies. Whatever you want to call them. <laughs> but, um, but yes, like, it can't be just us, you know, calling out and then nobody else kind of co-signs. Like, you need, you need those, those allies to say, hey, like, this needs to stop. Yeah, and but, it's not us, like, and I mean, people of color pulling the race card. Like, we're, we're tired. We're over that. We're, we're past yeah. that. Like, we, this just needs to be condemned from all sides. If you're racist, if you're acting, you know, on that fuck shit, like, just, and you see it, condemn it, man. Like, that's it. Don't, don't push your foot around it. But yeah, we'll, we're going to pay a quick bill. Uh, come over here on state side, you know, about to be January. So he's, of course, transfer rumors are about to be all over, all over the place. But yeah, we'll be right back. Pay a bill. We'll get y'all in a second. Welcome back, everybody. It's For the Culture, the podcast. For the Culture, for us, by us. As we return, we're here to come domestic side. Talk about the beautiful game that we love here in the States. Man, you know, we, we were talking about last week about the uh, about the home team, you know, thinking that, hey, everyone's going to, um, uh, you know, stay here and, you know, wait things out. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, who's leaving next? LGP, Exhaust Perez Azan might be on the way to Tijuana. Pity might might actually be on the way to Grimio after all. It's like Wait, Pity? He's leaving too? Well the rumor is that his that his wife has enrolled in classes in Brazil. Of course, like we mentioned during the last episode, the rumor was Pity was on the way to Grimio in, in Brazil. And I'm just like I would be cool with this if I knew what what the plan was as far as like replacing these players. But of course, as we've been mentioning the past few weeks, you know, with the CBA kind of looming large, it's like, okay, how exactly can you really plan around the fact when you don't know exactly, like for sure, if you're going to be starting the season on time? And it's now it's kind of like, especially with us rolling into this January now with the with the winter window coming up, and it's like, ooh. You might need to figure out something because, like, so far, like, the players that, that we signed, so of course, we we had Brooks Lennon. We re-signed uh, Jeff Lerner, which I think um, the, the rumor that came out during Christmas week was, like, some Alec guy Khan, from, man. Alec Khan. Decatur's greatest. <laughs> <laughs> that's where, that's the foundation. That's the cornerstone. Man. Yeah, man. Got, that got, is the cornerstone of show. our team. But um, <laughs> One more year of Gazan. <laughs> right. So we and, found our replacement. And it's, it's one of those things where – it's very frustrating right now because you don't know what direction the um, the team is going to go, and man, it's only going to get even tighter because you know as the month goes by. Because of course the window was the window is what it's like. It ends at the end of January, so it's like okay, if we don't have anything really set up by then, especially with the CBA, it's like you're going to be scrambling at the end of that. Okay, hey, we actually got we got to get us some players. Free agent, free agent. Hey, hey, oh, you yeah. know, I haven't played in like three years. You know, I'm, I'm Joe Hart, but you know, hey, come on, come on and sign me. I, I still have some eligibility. I think I'm so hey. I'm still available. Yeah, I'm still up. registered. <laughs> <laughs> I still got my feet pro. I'll, I'll, I'll be your agent, man. So, yeah. no, no big thing, man. But no, I, I think that it's it's only going to be, especially for the teams who actually have money to spend, 
and you're going to be like, okay, we have this money, but we don't know exactly how much money we really have to spend. So it's like, how exactly can we really offer contracts to new players or to our existing players instead? Uh, especially like we're here with the home team, because like now it's like, okay, LGP's on the table, Russell's on the table now, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> like you're trying to like almost tear down the whole the whole team now, like like slow down here. So it's going to be very difficult to really see like how like which way is up at this point. Let me ask you, how much of it do you think is Bocanegra or DeBoer that has us at such a at a stalling point right now? Um. If I had to lean one way or the other, I'll probably say DeBoer, just because like he, I think he's been so dogmatic as far as like his particular approach to how he wants to build his uh, build the team up as far as like in his particular scheme. But at the same time, like I think it all goes back to the CBA. It's like until you know like what money that you can really spend, it's really difficult to say, okay, hey, I want to offer this guy, you know, seven seven fifty and Sim bid right. <laughs> And it's it's going to be real difficult. And it's like okay, like you, and then people are going to be fussing and complaining. Come May, and it's like okay, hey, the team sucks, and because hey, that's because we couldn't figure things out before the CBA expired, and now you kind of left with what you got, and you're gonna be ended up with a bunch of players from USL. It's like yeah, they're okay, they might have some potential, but yeah, right now we suck. So. That's and that's really the fear I think with not just us, but that you're going to have like teams like Seattle, LAFC, Red Bulls, things like that, and it's going to be real, real difficult to see like like which way is up for for a good minute, especially with those teams like that are going to go into uh, Champions League because of course if if there's no CBA, we can't do Champions League. So yeah. So what you're saying is Inter Miami is pretty much going to win it all now. Now, yo, they've been making moves. <laughs> That's so what like, I'm uh, they, slot, they, <laughs> they, like they finally have a manager, uh, Diego Alonso. Uh, he used to coach uh, Monterey. He, he he coached Monterey to the Champions League uh, last year. Monterey, Rayados, Rayados. Mm-hmm. Uh, they of course like they actually played Liverpool really well in the champ in the Club World Cup. But um, but yeah, he uh, he coached them in Pachuca. He's a two-time Champions League winner here in Concacaf, so like they actually have like one of the best managers in the region as their as their head coach. That's actually a big get for them. Speak Spanish, yeah, everything. I mean, yeah. like, no, it's a big move for them. Uh, they just uh, signed uh, Juan Agudelo. They just signed uh, Roman Torres. Like they're actually like like it's like just now beginning to kind of t- take in shape as far as what they're going to end up being, but. Um, but yeah, I think that yeah, Alonzo, if he's able to uh, instill a, a solid culture there, you know, you um, you might be all right. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that until you have that CBA, like, it's, it's going to be really difficult to really see like like what true spending power that you really have. Because like even like uh, with Inter, they was they signed Agudelo and and Torres, but at the same time they missed out on. On uh, Cavani, who looks like he's on the way to Atletico Madrid. Of course, I could go on a whole uh, debate on that because I'm like, I don't think Cavani is really that big market draw like that. Because like basically, he's never really been like the guy anywhere he's been. He, at. He's always been 
treated like he's supposed to be that main yeah. chick. Because <laughs> you got to think about that. And then they bring Neymar in. Because <laughs> like you've had... He's always been flirting with this like, yo... Kawhi is going to be the man, and he's never been treated about that like that. And he like, has been no, because like you think about it, you've been at PSG for like what, five years now. You had Neymar there and Bappe there, Ibra there. So basically, at best, he's always been like treated as like the number three guy there. But I'm saying, as far as like when people have pursued him, as mm-hmm. far as like you know the rumor mill and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. I remember. Man United, the same thing. They were flirting with him, trying to get him to come, and they were talking about you know breaking bank for him. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere he's been, you know, flirted with the idea of like everybody say like, "Yo, we gonna make you mm-hmm. a top five player." Right? He's not a top five player, exactly. <laughs> and, and so, and therein lies your problems, though. I mean, <laughs> and therein well, lies your problem because you wait, wait, talking about, talking about, so you said his numbers, right? I mean, the dude was putting up hella goals for maybe not in the last two years, but. No, and that's what I'm saying. Pretty like, so, before that. But when he was, uh, oh, God, now I'm showing my age. Where was he before PSG? Oh, God. Oh, stat boy. Where are we at? Where you at, man? Was it? Was he in Spain? I believe so. Was that Elego? No. Um, the other small big Jeez, and age is dread. Where was he at before um, PSG? It seems like he's been there forever now, huh? Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a good five years, and it's and it's one of those things where because he's he's thirty two now, he's about to be about to turn thirty three in in February. Done. So he's done. He's and, done, son. And given how MLS was his best chance, right? And Napoli, talking, excuse me, Napoli. There you are. But he killed it at Napoli, man. Yeah, he, he did. did. But at the same time, twenty six goals but the first same, season. But at the same time, how long was he at Napoli? Uh, two years. Two years. The 26. first year was on loan from uh, Palomero, which is another yeah. Italian club. Um, the second year um, of be, actually being there, 69 appearances, 52 goals. So, yeah, because I remember that second year. Like, I remember him coming out that year. Everybody was like, yo, this is going to be the next yeah. next best thing. And let's see, that was, what, five years ago? Or mm-hmm. Five, six years ago? Mm-hmm. He was, you know, 26, basically. That's the prime time. And so I think that people don't realize that, yeah, he's, 30, he's about to be 33 now. And so if there was a time for him to come here, it probably would be now. But at the same time, given how given how much of a star-driven market Miami is, it's like, it's like, are you really going to sell a lot of tickets with him? Granted, you have a great Latino market down there, but at the same time, like he's never really been treated as that guy pretty much anywhere, whether it be you know PSG, even with Uruguay, like because of course the ticket was always with Suarez. Suarez, yeah. But I think also was also going to be. The knock on him is that the fact that he's, you know, playing in the French League for these last five years. Mm-hmm. In the French League, anytime someone who's balling out of the French League, it's like asterisks. It's like, yeah. eh, you, you're balling, but Because <laughs> even like with Neymar and, and Mbappe, it's like, okay, like, yeah, like you guys are like are doing the thing. But at the same time, it's like, yes, yeah, France, like there's, there's hardly that much, um, there's hardly that much competition there. That's why I've always been like, I think it's a missed opportunity there, especially like you know, with Leon and Marseille. I'm like, yeah, put some money in there. Like, yo, make that make replace what everyone was talking about with Italy, with France, and just put that money there to say, hey, let's let's let's. Well, let's let's with Italy, I mean, with France, the fact that you know France has you know arguably you know the best team in the world as far as you know obviously mm-hmm. World Cup winners and everything, but they have I'm not going to say it. They have a mediocre league. Right. Is that fair assessment? I, I would I'll take that. I'll I won't say that. mediocre, but... Is it top five? Yes, but it's, the it's probably five. 
Yeah, it, it probably is yeah. number five. Okay, so with that being said, Premier League, Arlie, the number, best league yeah, next to La Liga, or yeah. Let's go ahead and do it. Do a list. One or one to four. Go fill it in. Ringo's not here, so we can actually do <laughs> it. Right, let's, so let's. Okay. I mean, my whole thing is like, which one would you rather have? A better league and okay national product or better product, national product, and so-so league? I don't think that uh, um, plays into effect because look at all the players from France that were on the squad for the World Cup winners. Mm-hmm. They do not play in France. Maybe yeah, like Mbappe. Mbappe. In general, they're a seller's league. He's about to leave. <laughs> He's got one year on his contract, and he is and out. And is the exception, not the rule. Yes, and I think, I who is it? Um, the the right back? Uh, p- p- uh, p- oh, Pavard? P- Pavard. Yeah. yeah, he went to Germany. Yeah. Was done, see? And after the cup, he went to Germany. Okay, yeah. So, it's been a year. with that in mind, I would actually say the best league, top to bottom, I would actually would, would lean towards Germany. Because if you look at both the club... Of course, everyone knows Bayern is just that club. They take everything. But at the same time, like, they're uh, every, pretty much everyone else. Like, it's one, it's a very exciting league as far as, like, when you see, like, the actual match play. Mm-hmm. Two, of course, they have a very solid national team course. Granted, they crapped the bed in 2018. But typically, the road goes through Germany as far as Euros, World Cups, all that. Uh, second would be England. I think that especially now when there being just so much money in the league now, you know, even the sorry teams, you know, can got solid they talent. Know, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you have sorry teams always upsetting everybody. Yeah, and that's the top, the top twenty. I mean, from one to twenty, mm-hmm. you're looking at teams that like, and those players, you know, I would say they all have like four to six players mm-hmm. that are probably pretty good on their national teams as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, I, I still say Premier League's top. Yeah, I got, I got for me. Now, the number three would actually be kind of the tricky one because I don't think I have Bundesliga as number one though. My, my my number three would be La Liga. Yeah, La Liga's three because they they have fallen off like from like a couple of years ago because I think just the golden generation. Has, yeah, has changed. especially since um, since Ronaldo's left, it's like we're. Of course, it's, it's actually kind of crazy to think about because, like, Real's technically still tied for first in La Liga. So, like, they're still doing their thing. They're just, it's just that they're not nearly as dominant as they were. The thing with La Liga, though, is there's no parity, though. Like, right. Other, other than Real and Barca, parody now Athletic, I mean, Atletico, and mm-hmm. Atletico has been like a seller team as well for so long, mm-hmm. too. But now, like, other than those three teams. That's, that's, that's the thing, though, because, like, it's been so dominated by Real and, and Barcelona that parity for them is, is the year when. Atletico wins the league, right? right. Like that's that's, that's, that's the parody, exactly. And Atletico is a beast, so right. Um, and like, but of course, that only happens like maybe like maybe like once every five or seven years. So it's like exactly. So like, what is going to be said about the Premier League then? Now that you're saying City or Liverpool? Well, I mean, granted, <laughs> well, Liverpool has Chelsea. No, no. Even with that though, you still have those teams, the lower teams, like providing pretty stiff competition. Right. So I think that's really going to be the difference breaker in comparison to the other leagues we mentioned. There's a, there's a lot more parity, I think, right now between in the um, in the in the top six than there ever has been. And because, like, you, know, you have teams like 
Lester and Sheffield who are really pushing for those spots where like, you know, 10 years ago, you would never like basically it would be Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool. That's it. You know, pretty much. If, if you're lucky, you might have a Spurs. You might have. No, Spurs is not in the conversation. Right. And like now it's like it, there's there's so much fluidity to it now to where you can't really say for certain, like, you know, who's going to finish where. Like I said, except for like, you know, right now Liverpool, but. I said, even that, like that's that's been a long time coming. So yeah, I think really, um, I don't want really to say a long time coming, but like, I think they came at it with the same approach, or not the same, but they came at it with a similar attitude that mm-hmm. Manchester City did, mm-hmm. and now they're starting to reap the benefits of taking that approach. So you know, they said, okay, here are our goals: we want to win the league. They came damn close. And even this is with Brendan Rodgers now. Let's take yeah, it back. Let's it fade it all yeah. the way back to that. Um, you know, with Stevie G slipping, like, that would have been the difference if he just stayed on his feet. But that's another top movement of the decade as well. But um, the number four, I mean, I think just by default, it probably still would be Italy just for the fact that Juve's been propping them up for pretty much this, this whole decade. Because they, they have made two Champions League finals in, in this decade. Of course, they lost both of them. But at the same time, you know, obviously they're not nearly as dominant as they were in the last decade when they were basically, oh, actually, both the, the aughts and the 90s, where you basically, you had to go through Italy to to make the, um, the Champions League final back then. But like now, yeah, it's, it's basically just Juve. I think that now, I do think there's a lot of potential there going into the next decade once Roma figures out their stadium situation, once Inter and, and uh, Milan figure out their stadium situations, like, you might see a resurgence. I think, um, I want to say they might be aiming for, I think, a, a World Cup bid, I think, in 2020, 2030, if I'm not mistaken. Somewhere around the centennial years, I believe. But, um, yeah, they'll probably land that. They uh, they won before things got a little willy nilly. Like what, almost ten years ago now? Yeah, or twelve? Yeah, they they, uh, they they won the World Cup in '06, and then they made the Euro final in 2012. So, like, of course, that that's a whole different generation. But I think, like, and I think they're still trying to figure things out since they missed the World Cup in 2018. But I think that I think as long as basically, I said UVA's holding them up, and then probably from there, actually, I probably would even list. I have a hard time really listing Francis at five. I, I think that you probably would look elsewhere. Like I would actually say Mexico might be within that five, especially given mm. how Monterey did this this past yeah, year. Yeah, that's um, definitely putting a little bit of a spotlight on them as far as what they're doing uh, or the products that they're producing mm-hmm. uh, as a country and the, the league. Um, you see that like Monterey, they're not a yeah, team to like, fuck with, man. Because I was watching um, the uh, Liga MX final, um, the first leg uh, this past week with uh, Monterey and America. Of course, mind you, Atlanta beat both of them. True story. Yeah. So I think that, I, I definitely think that Liga MX definitely has a lot more quality than people really realize. And, you know, there's so much there. You know, hopefully, you know, I think, we we can make that another episode because there, there's been talk about Liga MX and MLS merging, which I think would be a gigantic mistake, um, just in general. But um, but yeah, I said the quality there is is better than a lot of people think. But um, I think for me, my top five is going to be England, Germany, Spain. I don't want to say Italy, just because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just anti everything Italy at this point, but um, 
I, I do agree with your points that you made in regards to their league status and Juve propping them up, the status in the Champions League and whatnot, and they're just kind of essentially waiting on the generation resurgence. So Italy and then France. Like people, like people really need to like go back and realize. Like I think like it was like a, a strong ten year stretch. Like like with between like ninety seven and oh seven. Like you basically had to go through Italy to make the Champions League finals. Of course, you had like oh three. Yeah, had AC both. Milan basically dominating all those years. Yeah, of course, it started with Juve because yeah. I think they, they won in ninety seven. They just missed out. In, um, they lost in the final ninety eight. Of course, we beat them in the semis ninety nine. Then you had the um, the return of AC Milan. Basically, like they had like a whole eight year window where it's like like you basically had to go through them and then enter. In uh, 2010, with, uh, with with Mourinho, and then like after that was like once the recession hit, they pretty much fell flat. I, for me, like not looking at stats or anything right now, but just the feel of what I've kind of been observing over the years with Italy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they have arguably one of the best players in the league right now, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't feel like Italy is a destination for top players no, anymore. Actually, they, they haven't been right since the recession. They um, I think that like. Because of like most of the, the stadium situations where like the city owns their leagues and really none of that money really goes back to the, to the clubs like that. That's why Juve has been been on the been above ground because they now own their stadium and now they're like, hey, like we're able to we're able to sustain ourselves. Whereas everybody else, they're still trying to just still trying to just get by. But whoa, whoa, whoa! Did, did we forget who's about to sign with AC Milan? Oh, Zatan. <laughs> Honestly, it'll be great. Like, for, and kind of to bounce off the Cavani thing, mm-hmm. like, I think that's one of the teams that you can go to as a, an older player and still kind of be effective. I think, uh, you I, know, th- I think Madrid's it's very telling place for Cavani and so is, uh, AC Milan in his case. And it's a return home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, cause you played there like, what, I think like, Two three years. Um, he's one of the players that can play for both sides, Milan. And no, he's he's, yeah, he's played there. Like he's he's on Juve, he's on Inter, he's matter. done AC it Milan. Don't matter. Yeah. I, I am Zlatan. <laughs> <laughs> no team is above me. Right. And you know, it's one of those things where like they kind of have to kind of go backwards to move forward. And you know, they they tried to form they they tried to form a player route to you know get things back and running. But like, there's been so much. So much instability as far as just their ownership goes. I think that it's kind of hard to really know, like, how exactly are they going to get things right when they don't have things right up top? But you know, hopefully, he works out well for them, and um, now we we can uh, go from there. I mean, they're because their national team has been struggling on the senior level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the youth level, I think they. I can't remember without you know looking at anything. I think they're the youth level. They so, did pretty well in the yeah. the U twenty ones, I believe. Twenty ones, yeah. yeah. I remember them doing well in that, but. It's it's been one of those things because you know for so long, the reputation of Italian soccer was that if you went a hardcore defender, you went to the. And it's still the case because like um, it was a uh, it came out over the holidays. Uh, Lukaku Lukaku had had reached out to Ronaldo um, before he moved to uh, Inter uh, Milan, and uh, Ronaldo's like like it's still like the best defensive league in the world. I mean, Koulibaly's there, baby. Yeah, so. <laughs> I yeah. think they shape their fenders in that league. You're right. Easily. I mean, they, I, I think that as far as like, of course, you always were able to still get uh, top offensive talent there as well. And I think that the offensive talent has kind of like moved elsewhere, whether it be Italy, whether it be England or Spain. And 
And so with that, it's kind of like Italy has been kind of like left, you know, behind and everything. They're just, they're just basically just relying on, hey, people just will like, it's like people, it's like people who watch American football and say, hey, I'm just here for the defense. Now I want defense to make it. So I'm like, hey, some there's an audience for that. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people like offense, winning so. games nine to three in football. Right. <laughs> but um, I, 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 before we uh, hopped off the uh, Europe like that, um, I, I did see that um, Erling um, Haaland he, did, he didn't he didn't choose us. He didn't choose United. He ended up uh, signing over with um, Borussia Dortmund. I'm like, man. You know what that means, league, though? right? You know what that means, though, right? What's up? Sancho is gone. <sighs> they need someone to replace the production that he is contributing. True. And in my Sancho opinion, gone, I, I mean, gone. I don't know where he's going. That's like, the thing, though. It's like, where exactly does he go? Because 100 mil for him. Yeah. Because, um. Chelsea got it? Yeah, we got 120, but, like, come on. Like, we need a left back. If you didn't see what happened today. <laughs> We need a left back. Are you also trying to replace Keppa? Yeah, we need to replace Keppa. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, we need a left back for, for certain. Um, today was uh, pretty pretty bad for Emerson. Uh, we need a an attacking midfielder who is not afraid to shoot from outside the box. Uh, someone of that Kevin De Bruyne um, ilk, if you will. Um, it, it was Kovacic was looking like he was getting in all the uh, KDB positions today, but he wasn't doing KDB things. Mm-hmm. So th- that has its own place, and we're going to have to mitigate that situation, you know, as the resources come along. But I, I think our main concern at Chelsea is shoring up the defense at this point in time, and then. Frank implementing his tactics with um, with uh, somebody to either st- to step it up in midfield, or either we we go out and buy like a Kai Havertz and then pick up somebody on the real um, on the cheap for um, for backup for Tammy because I don't think Mishi or um, or Giroud are gonna you know be much or around for much longer. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But uh, there, was, there was one thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, bring it back here to the state side. Something that actually happened not here, but actually back over in Asia. So if you've there's been a lot of comparisons with the Chinese Super League and MLS because China China has spent a lot of money on on top players like Hulk, Oscar, Pato, Ramirez, yeah, and basically it's been like a, a, a new hate. Aren't there a bunch of former Chelsea players in China? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, like Chelsea has a strong like Kalu, Shanghai. Um, is Kalu Kalu's, over there? Uh, Kalu is actually still in France. Okay. okay. Yeah, all right. My but, um, it's like a platine figure at this moment. <laughs> but basically, China was like, okay, we can't keep spending all this all this stupid money and not getting a proper return for us. So basically, what they did was basically they, they went MLS with it and started. To, they didn't do a salary cap; they did a wage gap. So basically, what happened there was that all the foreign players can't make more than three million a year. Now they can get more than that with bonuses, but basically, like their flat wage would be like no more than like three and a third million something like that and like the domestic players can um, they can't go beyond like a, like a million four or something like that and so what's your big picture thinking of the reason why this is done because well one you know to save some money because obviously you're you're talking about teams who have stupid money and there's and just overpaying like crazy to get star players but at the same time you still have to get you know, fans in the seats and and people watching, and I guess you know they're not they're not getting the proper return for that. Um, Do you I know the structure of the stadiums and all that? There, as some far of as them how- are pretty big because like they're using like the like some are still using like the stadiums that were used like during the Olympics um, the past few 
uh, years and everything. So, like, you have, like, 60,000, 80,000 seat stadiums. But at the same time, you know, I'm not sure if the culture is there necessarily. It's kind of like how we have the issue here to where you're actually filling up those stadiums every every week and every and, um, and all that. I thought part of the whole thing, though, is that what this what they're being sold on is that the culture is there because obviously when they do those international tours, mm-hmm. you have those fans that. But you have the same issue here, though, because yeah, like, like you'll have like a hundred. You do have the big house being yeah, sold out exactly. for Barcelona versus whoever, and then when it comes to actually you know a normal MLS game, yeah, because I was you're I was, not going to get that because I was having a similar unless you the bins. I was having a summer conversation a couple of weeks ago um, online. Shout out to Gully's Gully Squad. And, um, you know, we still have the issue to where, like, soccer is big here. I just don't think MLS is big here. And I think that until you kind of reconcile that, it's going to be kind of really hard to see, like, you know, like how big is MLS really? Because, of course, you have examples like here in Atlanta, Seattle, to an extent, um, New York and L.A. But, um but at the same time, they're not they're not getting a hundred thousand um, for a game. But that's not that's not happening. And until you know, you figure out a way. I actually do like the way that China went about it because technically, so like the way that things are set up there, you can have up to six foreign players on on their team. So basically, given the math I just gave, like you're you're already spending off top eighteen million. If you just if you give every foreign player to max that's three million each, that's eighteen million. Then, you know, even at, at varying amounts, the domestic players alone, that's going to probably put you like like around twenty five to thirty million already. So that's already like a good twenty five million over what the supposed cap is here. And I think that. You know, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the CBA, I think that we could stand to really loosen up the cap space by a whole lot, at least to where, you know, at least the the, the supposed cap would be like at least fifteen million, and then of course from there, you know, if you want to spend a little bit extra for DPS and things like that, you can do that. But I think that it's there were some people, you know, kind of saying like like, like this. Like this move will benefit MLS. I'm like, I don't see that just yet, at least not until we figure out what's going to happen with the CBA. Thanks for listening to part one of this week's episode. We'll be dropping part two this weekend. In the meantime, make sure you catch on the social FTC UTD for Ringo, for Grego, for Coach, for TK, for Rashad. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all soon.